Welcome to Brazilian Politics, the podcast where three political analysts talk about all things Brazilian politics. This week, we will discuss Bolsonaro's transition government and what we can expect from Congress by the end of the year. Welcome to Brazilian Politics. I'm Michael Lopez, and I'm joined by my colleagues Lucas and Thiago Aragão. How are you guys doing today? Hello, everyone. All right. So we are uh, one month into Bolsonaro's transition government. It's been one month since the election of Bolsonaro as the next president of Brazil. And I think this is a good time for us to, to look at the transition effort and evaluate how the Bolsonaro administration has been doing so far. What do you guys think? Well, Michael, it has been a very busy uh, month with a lot of, of, of issues and situations surrounding the government with some controversy, especially with Bolsonaro saying some things which he had to take back. Obviously, as a candidate, he could say certain things and that didn't generate an immediate reaction from certain groups. And this has been happening now quite often. I think the big question in Brasilia today is, will Bolsonaro's different style to governability work today? Uh, it's very clear that he will use a completely different strategy to negotiate with the Congress, meaning that he will use much more the caucuses rather than the parties. The ministerial choices so far has pointed in this direction, uh, and he hasn't given enough or any space to, to a lot of the big parties in Congress. And I spoke to several congressmen in the last couple of, of, of days, and they are uh, extremely confused about how this negotiation and when this negotiation will, in fact, happen. Michael, and um, to add on that, even experienced politicians, sometimes they have difficulties in identifying when the campaign ended and when life, real life, went back into normal. And they, they had difficulties in shifting this narrative. So Bolsonaro is experiencing this right now. If you look at the higher level of his transitional team, You, you see almost no experience there in, in the executive, neither at, gov at federal level nor state level, neither municipal level. So the adjustment of narrative that was very free-flowing, very open during the campaign, um, to adapt this to a new reality in which he does not need to convince anyone, but he needs to sit down and negotiate and create a team, is a, is a change that is not very clear for his team members. So many of his narratives still sounds very campaign oriented. And this sometimes is what, like Lucas said, forcing him to say something, readapt, test the waters, go back to a previous message and shift from one side to the other without looking very solid in his narrative and his arguments, at least now in the beginning. And one thing we've seen from the from the appointments in Bolsonaro's cabinet is that uh, despite the fact that Bolsonaro's narrative is that some parties, uh, the, that the strategy of the Bolsonaro appointments will not be focused on building a partisan coalition, that he will use the thematic caucuses, the beef Bible bullet caucus, Uh, the fact of the matter is that some parties are getting much more exposure in cabinet ministries than others. Uh, specifically, the Dane 
has uh, some very important ministries uh, under its control, uh, the Ministry of Agriculture and the Civil House. And Bolsonaro's argument uh, to other parties that, that can become jealous or uh, envious of the space that the day has in this government, Bolsonaro's argument is that it wasn't an appointment made politically. It was an appointment made by the parliamentary front, by the specific caucus, and doesn't represent uh, an appointment for the day as a political party. Now, we know that Rodrigo Maia is from the day and he's the president of the lower house. How will this cozy relationship with the day in the executive affect the strategy for the elections in the lower house in February? Michael, the, the election for the lower house in February is probably the most important event of the beginning of the government. The, 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 the president cannot make mistakes. If you look back to the past uh, troublesome elections for president of the House, we have two very important uh, memories. In 2005, Lula, uh, President Lula, then President Lula, lost the presidency of the, the House and his candidate that he backed up lost to an outsider, uh, Severino Cavalcante. Uh, and it was the beginning of the reveal of the monthly uh, uh Scandal, the Mensalão, which resulted in the prison imprisonment of several PT higher uh, executives. In 2015, when Eduardo Cunha was elected president, president of the House against the will of President Dilma, it was also the beginning of the end for President Dilma. I think that it won't uh, have problems for Bolsonaro in the elections for the, for the House. He has said already that he does not want the PSL to be uh, running. So I think the key point is allowing the Congress to come to a, uh, a name, even if you try to influence or not. But whenever the Congress reaches a consensus, you have to be on the winning side, or at least on the neutral side. You cannot fight the, 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 the natural choice of the Congress and lose, because if you do, it's the beginning of a very troublesome uh, relationship and a very troublesome Governability. And historically and traditionally, the Congress, they have three uh, ways that they can behave. One is positive to the government, which is something that Bolsonaro can expect now because any new president that arrives, he immediately is welcomed by a relatively positive welcome and a positive behavior from the Congress. The second sta stage is a, a neutral behavior from the Congress. And the third is a negative one. As Lucas well said, when Eduardo Cunha was elected Speaker of the House during the Dilma administration, he inaugurated a period of negative approach from the Congress towards the executive. But the most, this is something rare that can happen once in a while. But the most damaging thing for Bolsonaro uh, that could happen next year is not the Congress becoming negative to him, that this is something that I don't see happening, but is the Congress becoming neutral. And as the Congress becomes neutral, its will, its speed, and its support to the executive to approve critical matters is what gets delayed. And right now, what the, this administration begins, beginning in January, is the speed to approve specific measures, particularly the pension reform. Once the speed is accomplished, then he, they, they can go back into a different timing uh, in the relationship with the Congress. 
Now, stepping stepping back a little bit here and, and looking at the transition government effort as a whole, I think we can agree that as far as the technical work, the collection of data from this existing government, cooperation with the Michel Temer team, all reports that we have from Brasilia is that this, this process is functioning smoothly. And I think the same goes for the formation of the cabinet team. The, the names that have been selected so far uh, have been uh, well received by the market and, and the business sector, um, maybe with a, a couple exceptions. But this this part of the transition government uh, seems to be going well. I, I agree with you that dialogue with Congress has some room for improvement. And I think the biggest proof of that is that is the approval of bills that increase uh, federal spending. We had the, the famously the approval of the salary increase for Supreme Court justices, which has been sanctioned by President Temer with, with no vetoes. But I think another important element of the work for a transition government is to provide signals and uh, to to tell the market and the population on, on what's going to be important in this government uh, and it's especially important to do so once you have been elected, when it's not an electoral campaign scenario. And I think Bolsonaro's transition team has made it clear that uh, they are committed to making a technical appointments uh, based on technical criteria, that they're committed to reforms, um, especially pension reform, which uh, we expected to see some progress this year. Uh, maybe before the end of the year, but it's increasingly looking like it's something that will be dealt with during Bolsonaro's actual administration. Um, and then I think uh, privatizations have also uh, been a, a big uh, uh, topic for this transition government. Um, what what do you guys think about these signals to the market? Uh, is it positive? And will these signals help later on down the line to get things approved? Michael, uh, as you said, I think that the transition is going relatively well. Of course, it's a transition that is very different from previous administrations because uh, with the PT and with the PSDB prior of that, it was more predictable how their for the formation of the new government was going to be because the alliances were formed uh, before the campaign, during the campaign, and the tradition of picking names from the parties that supported you was was at its height. Right now, it's different. Uh, but in terms of adjusting to the expectations, I think that they are trying to do the best that they can. And sometimes they're going to struggle here and there. We see that there were some, some questionings from PSL members of the parliament uh, towards the, the choice of Teresa Cristina, for example, for Minister of Agriculture, in which the, the approach to choose this name wasn't debated with heavy weights inside the, the party. Perhaps this will be the new way that Bolsonaro will, will make his choices. And this can be perceived positively by his voters. But this definitely will be something that the parties will have to adjust and the parties will have to understand. Because this, if it's not well discussed and well arranged with the parties, can create further problems. I, I agree with Thiago. I think that this will be a, a government of trial and error. But I do think at the same time that the perspectives for next year are good for, for reasons that are not necessarily Bolsonaro-driven. 
um, President Temer has made a very long and thorough debate of the pension reform. It has come to a, a point where it's, it's, it is seasoned and matured enough to be voted. Although I think there will be difficulties, the situation for approval is in a much better shape than it was when the discussion began uh, in, in the Temer administration. There was a poll recently actually submitted uh, yesterday or today by Jornal O Globo, O Globo newspaper in Brazil, where more than around 60% of the new congressmen uh, are in favor of uh, uh, approving uh, the pension reform. So there is a, a signal from the, from the Congress that the, that the conversation is mature enough. Obviously, the Congress will not vote and approve uh, just because they are uh, in line argumentatively and intellectually of this government. We all know the realistic, realistic scenario of the pork barrel in Brasilia. So they will have to negotiate or else there will be some kind of, of hinder in the, in the talks and the neutrality of the Congress might speak higher and, and stop the advances in, in Congress. But at, at the end of the day, I think that Bolsonaro and Gadges know that an eventual failure to approve the pension reform is absolutely tragic to this administration. It would worsen the fiscal scenario uh, of, of the country, it would completely create chaos in, in, in foreign direct investment in, in, in Brazil because the fiscal curve is what uh, worries the foreign investor the most. So here in Brasilia, speaking to the economic team, as I have so many times in the last couple of weeks, the pension reform is by far the most important uh, piece of legislation to be approved in the in the in, in the next year and it will be next year i don't believe in in, in advances this year yes and we have also to look at this government within the four categories that they're trying to divide themselves on so one of these categories which perhaps is one of the most important which is the one which paulo guedes is the central player as lucas said the pension reform is the number one priority and so far they are sending decent messages to the market the second of these uh, uh, departments or these areas within the government is the one that revolves around this desire of the society and this necessity of the country of combating corruption and, and violence, which is centered around the figure of Moro. And the choice of Moro himself is something that gave a very good image and a very good perspective in relation to what Bolsonaro wants to do in this area. The third area is the management team, is the political management. And this one is where several question marks arise. Is uh, the minister of the civil house, Onyx Lorenzoni, the best name? Uh, is the choice of a general to run the secretariat of government the choice that could better relate with the members of the parliament? So this is a point of questioning. And the third and the fourth and last area of this composition are is the other ministries that are very, very important, but they are diluted into several agendas, the Ministry of Education, the Ministry of Agriculture, the Ministry of Health, in which so, uh, so far the names have been varying between uh, potentially controversial names, like the name of the, of the Minister of Education, Vélez Rodríguez, and names that are being uh, well-received. For example, like the name of uh, Teresa Cristina for agriculture, for example. So these four areas are, show different and distinct formats and distinct approaches that this administration is trying to uh, 
this future administration is making so far. And just going back to the issue of uh, pension reform that Lucas was talking about, I think we we can we have to acknowledge that Bolsonaro owes a huge debt of gratitude to Michel Temer for the communication that the the communication campaign that the Temer administration implemented in order for us to to be able to have this poll that Lucas mentioned today from from Shispe. Uh, investments that says that nearly 70% of, of the population is in favor of pension reform. So I think uh, for sure we're in a better situation and, and this serves as a good uh, transition point into what we can expect uh, from Congress before the end of the year. Um, we, we know that pension reform was a big priority. Uh, the transfer of rights bill for, for uh, Petrobras and the pre-salt is also a big point of contention. What can we expect to see approved in these uh, couple weeks of, of congressional activity that we have left? Well, this is just in, but Senator Romero Juca, which was not re-elected, so he's in the final months of his legislative activity, a very seasoned politician who was leader of the government under Cardoso, under Lula, under Dilma, and was under Temer uh, in the past, has been reassigned as leader of the government in the, in the, in the Senate. And he said that his main objective from now until the end of the year, is to approve the transfer of rights and to approve the PLC-79, which is the telecom uh, general law, uh, which reformulates the, the telecom in, in Brazil, making it easier to solve, for instance, the problem and the, the fiscal problems of OI. Uh, I believe that the, the, the main objective is the transfer of rights followed by the, the PLC-79. I think both have... Uh, reasonable chances of being approved. Uh, PLC 79 doesn't suffer a lot of resistance uh, from the opposition. While the transfer of rights, there is a lot of debate if the money that will come from the uh, auction of the excedent, the extra areas of the pre-salt that uh, were, were, were later discovered, if they will go partially to the municipalities and to the states. Uh, however, today there was a lot of buzz in the market because Paulo Guedes has said that he has spoken to members of the audit court, which has said that they have already had done studies which believe uh, that there is no need for the transfer of rights to be approved in the Senate in order to have the auction for the for the so-called sessão onerosa, the extra area of the pre-salt that was discovered post-contract. Um, so a lot of doubts still there, but the market re reacted well to what Gedge said. Uh, and, and, and there could be a way out even if the Congress weren't to vote. But now that the Parliament has a, got into the game and is discussing the issue and want to have a, a piece of the pie, obviously it's much better to approve uh, the transfer of rights in the Senate, especially because it would give more legal safety to the entire process. I think these two items uh, have reasonable chances of approving, and I would give uh, the, the transfer of rights an even bigger chance than PLC 79. All right, Lucas, thank you very much for that. Uh, I would just uh, like to add that uh, the the third issue would be uh, the budget for next year, uh, ongoing discussions about that, although approval isn't absolutely a mandatory by the end of the year. It's definitely on the agenda for discussions in Congress. 
Uh, This concludes our episode of Brazilian Politics. Thanks again to the listener for tuning in. And I invite you to tune in next week for more on Brazilian politics. Thank you.